Hi, I'm Tracy. I'm April. And, and this, this is Killer Spirits. get so giddy listening to ours. It's because we do so much dancing. We do so much dancing and there's a little opera happening in the background. Yeah, I was thinking um <laughs> can you imagine what Eric is hearing right now? Cuz he can't hear inside of our headphones obviously. So obviously. He just hears us <laughs> belting it. <laughs> That's all right cuz we love it. And then April has to drag her thing near her and like kill your sorry, earballs. Sorry, sorry. That's okay. We're on episode 29 today. Happy Easter, baby. Happy Easter, guys. <laughs> yeah, and I actually made a really fun Easter drink today that we made quadruple. <laughs> we hope you're he- celebrate you're celebrating. <laughs> I hope you're celebrating with some ham. Oh yeah. Or some no ham. deviled eggs. Oh my gosh. Okay, before I even get started on this drink, I have to tell you about this year that my mother, because you know, you know my mother, yeah. your auntie. Yes. She is so funny. One year she made a ham. Okay, also let me preface this by saying that I was in my late teens and I went through this whole phase where I refused to eat pig. That's oh, what I said. Okay. I am not eating pig anymore. So I guess I was technically kosher. Okay. Um, but not really, because I know there's a lot more to it than that. You're but eating cheeseburgers yeah. and whatnot. Um, yeah, it was cheese, but I refused to eat anything that was pork related or ham or huh, anything. I wonder why. I don't know. Because you know you're weird when you – like I went through a vegetarian phase. I went oh, through – yeah. but not vegan because vegan wasn't popular in the 90s. You're like the animals are so important. Yeah. Well, but this. only pigs apparently. Uh, who okay. knows? Um, I will say this though. I One of the reasons I think I did this – and this might be falling down a rabbit hole that nobody wants to know. <laughs> I love rabbit holes. <laughs> um, but I was in Future Farmers of America. FFA, FFA baby. baby. When I was in high school. Oh, did you raise a pig? Is that why? I didn't raise a pig, oh. but I actually went out one day. And I mean, I grew up on farms. I'd seen it happen before. But I went out one day and the whole day was slaughtering pigs. Okay. And I mean, it was... Yeah, I think it affected me a little bit. So I didn't eat pigs for a while. Yeah, you're probably like, yeah. that was a lot. It was yeah, it was a lot to, to see. To see one pig slaughtered is one thing, but it, doing it all day. You're also, like, like taking a bunch of teeny, enough. like here's your field. Like what the, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you wanted to be, if you were a future I know. farmer. I, I d- was not a future farmer. Yeah, bless the people who have the ability to but do that. But we lived cause... in a future farmer of America town. So oh. it was like there wasn't much choice back then. But anyway, the whole point of the story is back to my mother. (laughs) (laughs) I was going through this phase of not eating the ham, and she pulled grass from the backyard and baked a ham in grass. What? Yes. And I know it sounds wacky. Baked a ham in grass. She literally baked the ham in the grass. Like, you just look it up. I bet there's a whole recipe thing about grass ham. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. She, like, dug a hole in the yard? No, she just, like, pulled grass out of the – yeah. And put it in the oven with the ham? Yes. What does that mean? I don't know what it means, but I could tell you I was eating <laughs> ham after that. It was amazing. What? It, it, ask her about it someday. 
Okay, Auntie, I need to know about this ham grass. She's not listening to this. Or grass she, she ham. Can't, she can't do these episodes, she said. Oh, really? Yeah, it's too hard on her. She texted me the other day and asked me for a recipe for something. Yeah, it's too hard on her soul, she said. Oh. And, and, and she doesn't want us to judge her. Oh, I don't. I know. I'm just kidding. I never I was like, uh, yes, I'm judging you, mother. She'll never even know we're talking about her now, which is kind of cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> I told her, because um, I told her, yeah, because she said, well, you got, you girls posted what's in the drink, but you didn't say how much was in it, like on her Instagram. Yeah, and my answer is always listen to the episode. And she's like, I just can't listen to the episodes. It hurts my soul. She said, I don't always have time. And I said, that's okay. Um, I'm going to put together a recipe book at some point anyway. And then I went down this rabbit hole of like how to publish your own recipe book. <laughs> <laughs> like... So I think we're going to do like a Kindle book. We'll do it for like 99 cents or something. That'll be so fun. Buy the recipe book and then, I don't know. I was going to do a 100th episode. But maybe I'll do it 50th. I think 50th is great. We're halfway, over halfway there. I know. 100 episodes. Okay. 100 recipes is a lot to have in one book anyway. It is. So we'll yeah. just do like volumes. <laughs> Get ready, guys. This it's will be coming. volume one. So... <laughs> Auntie, don't worry. And we'll go look a- up grass ham because I know I'm not crazy. What fucking grass ham? I don't know. And she never made it again, which is also a travesty because it was so amazing. So I need to Google this. Yeah. I feel like it was like some kind of weird gooseberry patch thing because you know she's always oh, in the yeah, gooseberry yeah. patch. Oh, I love the gooseberry patch. And guys, patch. If, you're not, if you're not really tuned into gooseberry patch, you need to get tuned in. You're not truly an old lady. <laughs> you're not truly an old soul because I've been reading gooseberry patch since I was like literally in high it, school. Yeah, it's an old soul. It's not an old lady. It's just yeah. an old soul. You are not making the dishes of the midwest if you do not have gooseberry they're patch ju- they're just so fun to, to read and make their recipes i know of, i kind of just read them i do too i, I hardly make anything i make some them. of the okay some of the recipes are like ridiculous but they're like easy yeah normal food you probably wouldn't have to go out and buy anything special no, no. and it's like Stuff I would never really think of. Well, and you know, back in the 90s, they used to have a shop, but they don't have that anymore. What? Yeah, it used to be a thing. But anyway, look up grass ham. Okay, back to my back patch. to my drink now. <laughs> this now that is I've pretty good. ousted mom and her We're, grass I'm going to get a lid off this drink. It's big. <laughs> it is. Okay, yeah. So we made our quadruple drink because we have these huge glasses. And then, of course, we want the pictures to be pretty for you. And now we're drinking basically like double what we should be we're drinking. We're drinking like, <laughs> like at least four shots of alcohol. And it's okay. So this drink is a variation on a something we call a fuzzy duck. So you could look it up, which I think is the cutest name ever. Though it we is. are have renamed this to Easter Eleven, the Easter Eleven, the, the Easter Eleven. Yeah. So after you're done listening to this episode, you will know what that means. Yeah. Um. So this is what you're gonna do. First of all, you're gonna go and you're gonna Google Advocat because <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, maybe you all know, and you're like, duh. Tell them how to spell it. Okay, so it's A-D-V-O-C-A-A-T. And it is a traditional Dutch liquor, which I'd never heard of before. Maybe some people have. Maybe it's, you know, I'm just an idiot, but I've, I've never, never. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So I certainly never drank it. And I love trying new stuff. Yeah. So it was really fun. We, had, we went to two stores to find it. And is- the guy at Total Wine didn't even know how to spell it so he had never- <laughs> he didn't know how to spell it and he was like and the computer will give you um an alternative that i can give you if we don't have it in stock one. but there isn't one because this is one of one that's mm-hmm. what he said but thank you for your help total wine mm-hmm. um so we got it at bevmo actually and they had two in stock which was great yeah their cordial selection is pretty large yeah so it technically is a cordial mm-hmm. yeah exactly so this is what you're gonna do you're not gonna use uh double because it's actually quite a rich drink so just 
do this normal. This, the one I'm going to tell you, will make two drinks. You're going to use two ounces of triple sec, two ounces of orange juice, three ounces of advocat, and three ounces of gin. And then you're going to put that all in an ice shaker. And oh, and then also we used about uh, an ounce of simple syrup, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. less. And then shake it all together and strain it into your glasses and then put a little bit of soda water on the top. It's going to cut down the richness a little mm-hmm. bit. And then I floated a dehydrated orange slice which on looks the top. So pretty. Which looks really pretty. So an advocat is basically egg, honey, brandy, vanilla. They use it you can use it in whipped cream and sweeten it up Ooh, to put on good. top of waffles. It's also used to make ice cream. So it, it's it's got a, like a custardy flavor. It's mildly mm-hmm. sweet. Very, very mild. Yeah. We took a shot of it by itself. Not a huge fan of it by itself. Make sure you shake it up really good, too. It's basically the texture of eggnog, like shelf-stable eggnog. It seemed even thicker than that, don't you think? A little bit. A little bit. Slightly. But no nutmeg. Not the eggnog no, flavor. No, not make flavor at all. No, yeah. no, nothing like that. So, same sort of like custard vibe. Yeah. But yeah, custard. It almost tastes like a baked good. Yeah. So, this drink kind of tastes like a low key creamsicle. Yes. Yeah. A very mellow creamsicle. Yeah. I really like it. And I like the fuzzy part, which is the sparkling water. <laughs> yeah. So, that is the Easter 11, even though I almost said the Ocean's 11. That would not be correct. I mean. <laughs> That's what happens when you drink quadruple the amount you're supposed Ayo. to drink, people. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. I'm going to need a pee break halfway through. Okay, sure. listen. I'm excited today because this is April-centric. This is my day. It's her day today. And I will tell you, like, going through this story, I it was sad. You're it, Basically, what you're saying is it does not deserve this drink. This cutesy drink? No. No, no because this fucker ruined Easter. I think he more than ruined it. <laughs> she just put her head in her hands. Okay. So let's get started on your story. What is your okay. story today? Our story is about James Rupert. And I'll talk a little bit about my sources. I used uh, Murderpedia, as we do. Um, and I also found a book called The Encyclopedia of Mass Murderers. Oh. <clears throat> I can't tell you the author right now off the top of my head because I didn't write it down. Um, But I will be working out of that book in the future because it's pretty extensive. Um, So this is a story about a family annihilator, which we've talked about before. God damn it. Why do you have to do that to me? And there are many children. So just be prepared for that. Okay. It's so much harder when I'm listening to the story versus telling the story because I'm so mentally prepared. I'm not prepared. It was hard for me to get through it this morning. I mean. Oh, I bet. Yeah. When I was typing everything up, I'm like, ugh. Okay. James Urban Rupert was born April 12th, 1934. Growing up, he had a brother who was two years older than him named Leonard Jr. His early life was somewhat troubled as his father passed away when he was 12. Um, so his brother was 14. Okay. Their father, Leonard Sr., was said to have a violent temper and didn't really care for his sons. Great. Which sucks ass. Um, so, I mean, needless to say, he was not missed when he passed away. Mm. Their mother, Charity, always told James. Oh, my 
papers are flying all over. Always told James that she had wished for and would have preferred to have a daughter instead of a second son. Oh, God. People don't do that to your children. So I will say, as I'm getting into all this, because there are no other witnesses to this family, mm. um, this is all from James. Oh, okay. So it's kind as of he's like talking to psychologists. Autobiography. And- right junk okay so do we really know you never really know right um so according to him he always said that his mother said he was a mistake and that she wished she had had a girl Mm. which kind of comes into play towards the end but i think it's thin (laughs) um in 1947 when leonard senior died leonard jr took the role of father in the home because he was the oldest boy um, he was pretty hard on James and often picked on him and taunted him for being weak because James was fairly small and had asthma. Oh. So he was kind of a little guy and his older brother picked on him. Again, I'm feeling sorry for the child, right. James. James said that Leonard Jr. was a sadist and torturer. This is grown up James saying this. Um, James said he would lock him in closets, tie him with rope, beat him with a hose and sit on his head until he screamed. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. Yeah. Around the age of 16, James was so tired of living with the torment of his brother, he decided to run away and attempted suicide by hanging himself with a sheet. He was unsuccessful and returned home. James continued to live at home with his mom, did a small stint at college, but flunked out after two years. He had trained as a draftsman, which is a person who makes detailed technical drawings for machinery. Okay. And like buildings and stuff, like a draft drafter. Sounds like you'd have to be smart to do that. I mean, yeah, I guess. I can't draft shit, so I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, like measuring and stuff. I can't do that. But by the time (laughs) uh, we catch back up with James is 1975 and he's 41 years old. Oh, okay. So he's still living with his mom. Oh. Unemployed, mm. not married, no children. Um, he was quite small in stature in his adult years. He was 5'5 five, five and weighed 135 pounds. Oh, you little. Little guy. Um, other than James's obvious problems, um, he was sort of an unassuming candidate uh, for mass murder. So, I mean, it's obvious he's unemployed, unmarried, no children, living with his mom at 41 years old, but mm. that doesn't automatically make you a murderer. No, thank God. Because yeah. there's probably a lot of people out there doing right. that. <laughs> and he's small. You know, he got picked on as a kid. I mean, yeah. I mean, size, big whoop. Whatever. There's lots of little people. Um, He had no criminal record. So no record of hurting animals, petty crimes, vindictive behavior. He just seemed like a down and out guy who's kind of a loser. Also, let me just preface this by saying he's not... 5'5 five five is not like a no. little person. Like he's... No. He's... That seems... It's maybe below average for a a guy. He definitely had a complex about it. Okay. But I mean, it's not like, you know, he was that short. Yeah. But obviously it was. And his older brother was taller. I think he was like 5'11". Okay. So that bothered him. Right. Yeah. Um, So he just kind of seems like a down and out guy who's kind of a loser with no direction. That's sad. Yeah. Um, He also had an issue with alcohol abuse, which made his mother angry. She threatened to evict him several times because he couldn't keep a job due to his alcohol abuse. Mm. 
He had a contentious relationship with his mother, with his mother, which I'll come back to. But at this point in 1975, she's getting really tired of supporting him. They always have a contentious relationship yes. with their mother. And he did say, um, you know, afterwards when he's talking to all the psychologists, psychiatrists or whatever, that his mom also abused him after his dad died and egged on his brother to abuse him. Oh, so there's a lot of dynamics going on in the yeah. house. Yeah. Um, but we'll also get to a point where he's sort of paranoid and imagining things. Mm. So who really knows? But that could also be because of the abuse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he has no future plans, no job, goes out to the bar every night, sleeps all hours of the day. I mean, you wouldn't want that guy living in your house. No. I wouldn't. No. Um, also, during the stock market crash of 1973 to 1974, James lost much of what little money he had. Mm. And as if things weren't sour enough, enter Leonard Jr., his older brother. By 1975, Leonard had earned a degree in electrical engineering, owned his own home in Fairfield, Ohio, which is a nice suburb about 25 miles north of Cincinnati, mm. and was married to Alma, James's ex-girlfriend what so i don't really know leonard jr what happened there that doesn't sound good but i know that james dated alma first and james introduced them to each other okay just side note i really love the name alma yeah i've always thought that was so pretty anyway go ahead but yeah what was she doing there that was a mess i mean she picked the better brother okay yeah (laughs) but also he was an abuser so was he the better brother? Allegedly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, which is just one more thing Leonard had over his brother. Uh, one more mm. thing to add to the mounting list of successes over James's failures. Right. Leonard and Alma had eight children together. Oh, Alma. To- <laughs> she was pregnant back to back seven times. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> to say that James was envious of his brother's life was an understatement. The juxtaposition between the outcomes of both of their lives is pretty obvious. I'll post a picture of their family. The five older kids wear dark-rimmed glasses like their mom, and the three littles have the sweetest smiles. The smallest sitting on Alma's lap. The whole family is well-dressed and well-groomed. Leonard and Alma appear to be happy, proud parents. Oh my god, you're you're really going to gut me in this one, aren't you? I can freaking feel it already. Okay, go ahead. About a month before the massacre occurred, James was inquiring about silencers for his guns while purchasing ammo. It's never said whether or not he purchased a silencer or a suppressor, just that he asked about them at a gun store. And the day before the murders, James was seen shooting target practice with his 357 magnum and his other guns he shot tin cans along the banks of the great miami river in hamilton neither of these actions were really a red flag it's ohio in 1975 Mm -hmm. people that own guns usually engage in regular target practice and suppressors are often used by hunters to protect their hearing Mm. so no alarms are going off for people yeah after finishing up his target practice on March 29th, 1975, he did what he did almost every other night. He went to the bar. The bar that he hung out at regularly was the 19th Hole Cocktail Lounge at the El Prado Golf Course, which is a 36-hole championship golfing facility. That's clever. So the fucking 19th random. Hole. 
The um, golf resort that we've stayed at? Yeah. They also have one. They do? It's called the 19th Hole? Yeah. Well, that's clever. I think it's kind of common. Oh. Totally Not random. Not as clever as I thought, though. Totally random place for a drunk asshole to hang out. It, it does seem... Yeah. It's interesting. Unless that's all that was that he around was a golfer. Him. No. You'd think he'd hang out at some random dive bar, but... Maybe it was divey. Who knows? It could have been. Yeah. But it's a championship golfing facility. Anyway. <laughs> It is now. Maybe it wasn't in 1975. I don't know. Oh, true. Um, while he was there that night, he chatted up employee Wanda Bishop. She was a 28-year-old mother of five. James told her all about his issues with his mother. How she's always on his ass, demanding things of him. Like, no kidding, dude. You're fucking 40. <laughs> um, he said his mother complained that if he couldn't afford... Oh, sorry. If he could afford to buy beer seven nights a week, he could afford to pay rent. No, she's got a point there. Yeah, no fucking shit, dude. <laughs> but as James explained to Wanda, his his eviction was impending. She was like, you know, if you don't start paying me or stop going out every night and drinking, mm. get, get a fucking job. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. And it was a problem that he needed to solve. Air oh, quotes. No. Solve. Any normal person would try and get a job, pull their life together, and solve their problem by taking responsibility, but that's not James's style. Not when you're a narcissist. They're all against him. Yeah, He is wrong. Yes. And he shouldn't have to be responsible for his own life. It's their fault. And in my opinion, he hates his family for his own shortcomings. He resents them for making him feel inadequate Mm -hmm. when it's been his life choices that put him in that situation. In yeah. First place. Yeah. Because I mean, I, again, I can feel sorry for this some things you can't help, James. Yeah, but there comes a point in your life where you have to take responsibility for yourself, and people, I mean, you have to rise above abuse and yeah, be better than forty those a late. than the people who abused you. Right. Are you saying forty one is old? No, I'm just saying it's an appropriate time to get your life together if you do not have your life together. Oh, absolutely. You should yeah. not be long de- overdue. Depending on your mother and your older brother to fund your life. No, absolutely not. They're the only reason he had any money. Yeah. His brother was loaning him money. His oh, mom was loaning him I money. See. Yeah. Not loaning him, giving it to him so that he could live. Right. Whatever. But really so that he could drink, I guess. Um, they were enabling him, in short. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, when he left the bar. He left the bar at about 11 p.m., but returned later that night. He spoke to Wanda again when he came back. She asked him if he had solved his problems. He said, not yet. Hmm. He left the bar again at closing time around 2.30 a.m., and he was drunk. So he stumbled his ass home. Um, Beyond James's failure to get his act together, he was paranoid, and the pressure his mother was putting on him made him irrational. According to his defense later in court... He thought his mother and brother were whispering about him to the FBI mm. that he was a homosexual or a communist. I don't know how those two things align. He thought they were telling they the were talking FBI to the FBI about that he was that. a homosexual or a communist. Okay. Interesting things to worry about. Take issue with. Yeah. The homosexual thing comes up several well, times. I mean, communism was a big thing back then. Like, right. That was the thing. It was basically the Salem witch trials of the 70s. Yeah, I could see that. 60s, yeah. Um, but obviously not a com- Like, what? That's like, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, paranoid thinking. 
That's well, not yeah, real. he sounds like he he definitely had paranoia. He was definitely narcissistic. Mm-hmm. There were some issues there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, James thought Leonard, his older brother, had booby trapped his old Volkswagen car. Oh no. I don't know why. I mean, his brother lives like 45 minutes away. He has no reason to booby trap his car. Whatever. Yeah. So, uh, in comes Easter morning, March 30th, 1975. Leonard, Alma, and the kids went to Alma's parents' house for Easter breakfast or brunch and church, probably, because Mm -hmm. they were Catholic. Mm. Around four in the afternoon, the family made their way over to Charity's house to visit for the holiday. They all piled out of the van and hunted for eggs in Charity's front yard. The kids spent about an hour in the yard collecting eggs and goodies in their bright Easter baskets. So she set up like a whole thing for the kids. Mm. James. There's eight kids. There's eight kids. Mm. Okay. James, having slept off his hangover, because, you know, he stumbled his drunk ass home at three in the morning. not deserve any grass ham at all. (laughs) (laughs) None. Well, and actually, she wasn't making grass ham or ham at all. (laughs) Oh. Because they had already eaten. So they, she made Sloppy Joes for the kids. Oh, God. I hate Sloppy Joes. Well, the kids liked it, apparently. Okay. I'm sorry, kids. And also, there's eight of them. So I don't know what you're going to make that's going to feed eight kids. That's true. I mean, I don't know if my kid would eat ham either, to be perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> a ham grilled cheese, maybe. Um, So having slept off his hangover, he decided to get out of bed, finally, when his brother's family arrived around 4 p.m. He got up. And got dressed for Easter dinner. He was wearing like a tie and a collared shirt. Hmm. He came downstairs and engaged in some normal chit chat with his brother. It was around 6 p.m. Everyone was inside. The adults and several kids were in the kitchen and some kids were playing in the living room. (sighs) After a few minutes, James went back upstairs to gather his guns and told his family he was going to go target shooting. Oh, no. This is you're making everything sound so normal and mundane and it's going to kill me. His brother asked a seemingly benign question. How's your Volkswagen, Jimmy? Oh, crap. With what James said was a mocking smile. According to the psychiatrist at trial, Rupert believed his brother had been trying for several months to sabotage his Volkswagen. He was convinced that Leonard had gotten to the crankcase, had purposely destroyed the carburetor, and the distributor, whatever the fuck that is, had sabotaged the windshield wipers, had loosened the bumper, and had blown holes in the muffler. That was his thought that his brother was doing yep. the paranoia of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thus, Leonard's apparently innocuous question precipitated an entire surge of thoughts, memories, and fantasies, in quotes, about what his brother had done to him since childhood. So he got. So now he's having flashbacks. Way triggered. Okay. Triggered. <laughs> Yeah, they actually call them triggering events. Which I, I'm in sorry. The psychiatry I, sometimes thing. I feel like the word triggered is a little overused nowadays. It's very overused. But yeah, I get the point. And it's used for people that do not have actual issues. Yeah, like it's okay. We're all triggered by something. Oh Jesus my gosh. Christ. From Rupert's point of view, Leonard was mocking him about the car, and Rupert, in quotes, reflexively drew his gun. Reflexively. Yes. Okay, dude. James would see to it that Leonard never hurt him again and he would finally get the better of the brother against whom he had never quite measured up Mm-mm-mm-mm. he would deprive leonard of life and of the lives of the <laughs> and of the lives of those whom he loved the oh lives of those who yes loved. that's quite a sentence 
He would deprive Leonard of his life and the lives of those whom he loved. Very good. And he would make sure that he had enough money to live the life he felt was rightfully his. So in that reflexive action, he had all those thoughts, huh? I don't think so, buddy. I think this was forethought. Well, He can say what he wants to his people, but I think he had a forethought for this. I think it's obviously forethought because... His brother didn't ask the question until he came back downstairs with his guns. He already had a plan. I don't think his brother ever asked the question. Maybe. There's nobody there to say whether he did or not. I'm surmising. Yeah. (laughs) And I could surmise all day long. So. (laughs) My opinion. This is where it gets bad. I kept the bad part pretty short and I didn't go into too much detail. For the amount of detail there was. James then leaned the rifle against the refrigerator. He had his 357 Magnum pistol in one hand and a 22 in the other. He began firing. Leonard first was shot in the head. Then Alma, aged 38, shot in the head or chest. And his mother, Charity, aged 65, shot in the head or chest. As the children started screaming, the three children in the kitchen were gunned down next. Anne, aged 12, David, aged 11, and Teresa, aged 9. James then quickly turned to the living room where the rest of the children were. He was confronted at the living room entrance by his oldest nephew, Leonard III, age 17, who was shot several times in the chest. After stepping past Leonard III, James took a seat on the sofa. The four children still alive in the living room were executed one by one with bullet wounds to the chest, just like his tin cans set up on the banks of the Great Miami River. This makes me so sad. My Michael, age 16. This really affected me this morning. I had a hard time I with it. I can see why. Michael, age 16. Tommy, age 15. Carol, age 13. And baby John, age 4. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. And when you see the picture, they're such sweet oh, kids. Oh, jeez. They look so sweet. And they did nothing. They did nothing. I literally hope he is... Okay, spoiler. I don't know the spoiler. Is he dead or not yet? He's alive. Okay, well, listen... I hope he, A, is writing in prison, which I hope you'll tell me. And secondly, because I had never actually heard of this story, um, and I hope he rots in hell. That is, I, I have no words. Horrific. It's horrific. James then got up from his seat on the sofa and fired some additional shots at each of his victims to ensure they were killed. Oh, oh, great. Okay. Insult to injury. Fine. Yeah. In all, he fired 35 rounds. One of the children was not, uh, sorry, one of the children was only shot once, but the other 10 were shot three times. So he missed a couple shots in there. Um, The massacre lasted about five minutes in total. And you might be thinking like I was. Couldn't the kids have escaped? Why did no one go for the front door or window? But everything happened so quickly. No, Yeah, I mean, that that's not even really a question in these kinds of things. Because I don't even know, especially a child, even adults, Mm -hmm. your mind cannot. You just can't compute what's happening fast enough to flee. And also, James was their uncle. Mm-hmm. He was not an intruder. Mm-hmm. They had no reason to be alarmed by their uncle. Yeah. He had no history of being a weirdo. I mean, he was a loser, but he wasn't. But the kids didn't know a psychotic that. maniac. No. no. Um. So no one had their guard up around him because it was completely unexpected. Um. It was a complete shock to them. Yeah. Uh, James just decided to hang out in the house for about three hours before calling the police around 9.30 p.m. Doing what? I don't know. 
sitting on the couch. Just hung out there. He reported to the police over the phone, there has been a shooting. In quotes. Well, no shit. At the time, James's motive was unknown. He was relatively quiet and uncooperative with police when they arrived. Um, he just sat inside the front door waiting for them, devoid of any emotion. Mm. And when the police got there, they were shocked at what they had discovered. An absolutely gruesome display of blood and gore. The investigators described it as unlike anything they had ever seen. I'm sure that's haunted them for years. Oh, yeah. I'll get to that, too. Oh. Some of the investigators. Um, This is where they think that he started to think up his insanity defense. So maybe he sat there three hours thinking, what can, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you really only have two choices. You turn yourself in and call, or you flee. Yeah. And he chose to, to call. call. Um, I don't know if that's what he was doing, debating during those three hours, or if he already had that planned. I don't know. So there were three trials for him total. The first trial was held in Hamilton, Ohio. The three-judge panel found James guilty on 11 counts of murder and sentenced him to life. You may be wondering about the death penalty, but the death penalty, there was a moratorium on the death penalty in 1975. Um, and actually it was a moratorium from 1972 to 1976. Mm. So he got very lucky as a result of the Supreme Court filing in Furman versus Georgia. I didn't really look that far into that case. It's, um, it was basically an issue with, racial inequity when it came to capital punishment mm, which is true yeah so that was mm -hmm. an issue so they put a moratorium until those cases were solved mm, okay um or decided yeah um this first trial in hamilton ohio was declared a mistrial because it was held in the same town where the massacre occurred and it was believed to be unfair because of the media coverage and publicity oh okay right so the three judge panel couldn't be trusted i guess mm. So the second trial was held 125 miles north in Finley, Ohio. Guess what? They read the news too, dudes. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> yeah. But I get it. They have to do that to make sure it's fair, blah, yeah. blah, blah, even though it probably doesn't mean anything. At his June 1975 trial, which was the second one, James Rupert entered a plea of insanity. Defense attorney H.J. Bressler argued that the very act Rupert had committed was itself insane. That Rupert had been insane for 10 years and that he was incapable of controlling his actions. Several expert witnesses agreed. Goodbye. I am not buying it. Don't care. They interviewed so many of the people from the town and so many people were like, I would never expect that from that person. Like, James was a totally normal, super yeah. nice guy. Yeah, no. I don't think, No. Dr. Howard Sokolov described Rupert as suffering from a paranoid psychotic state, one symptom of which was departure from reality in terms of thinking and behavior. Rupert, he suggested, was inclined to be excessively suspicious, jealous, and angry. That's obvious. Defense psychiatrists also testified that Rupert was absolutely obsessed with the belief that family members, the police, and the FBI were involved in a longstanding conspiracy to persecute him. Dr. Philip Mechanic, Mechanic, yeah, saw an even wider deficiency in Rupert's personality. In quotes, his ability to evaluate is impaired, his view of others is warped, 
he sees virtually no one in a kindly light. Harvard psychiatrist Dr. Lester Grinspoon testified that Rupert's deadly reaction may have been uncontrollable. In quotes, his ego was just completely overwhelmed by his rage. This suppressed rage, which had been accumulating over some 10 years or more since childhood, that there was no way in which he could avoid doing that act. In fact, if there had been more people in the house, they may have gotten killed also. Thus, the defense attempted to show that James Rupert had gone totally berserk and that he was a victim of self-delusion who had acted from sheer impulse, the perpetrator of a brutal yet purposeless crime. Berserk. Is that, is that so a says, term they used in the- Berserk. <laughs> I hope that's not I mean, a term he did they go, used in trial. He did go totally berserk. I guess, but that's not a... Um, but appearances can be deceiving. And the prosecution called 29 witnesses and presented 200 exhibits to develop an entirely different line of reasoning, namely that James Rupert was as much of a victim of self-delusion as Attila the Hun. Oh, jeez. Rather, he had carefully plotted and schemed to kill his entire family. I believe that. In order to collect more than $300,000. I believe that. Money tied up in life insurance real estate, savings accounts, and other investments owned by his mother and his brother, Leonard. Prosecuting attorney John Holcomb convincingly argued that Rupert's arrest and indictment were actually part of his master plan, in quotes, to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of temporary insanity to be sent to Lima, a state mental hospital, where he would eventually be declared sane and then walk out with $300,000 in his pocket. Well, yeah, because going to an insane, like being clinically insane and then going to a hospital is way better than going to prison Mm -hmm. and so that's i think that's what he was planning in those three hours it was indeed reasonable to suggest an economic motive under ohio law rupert would not have inherited his victim's estate if he had been found guilty of murder if however he had been declared innocent by reason of insanity he would have gotten everything At the second trial, he was again found guilty on 11 counts of murder and sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences. Good. There's three trials. Oh, this is the second one? Yes. The third trial was granted on appeal in 1982. Oh. James's defense attorney, Hugh D. Holbrock, who was convinced James was absolutely insane, hired and personally funded expert mental health professionals from all over the country to testify. On July 23, 1982, a three-judge panel decided the final verdict. Two counts of first-degree murder of his brother and his mother, and found not guilty by reason of insanity the other nine murders of Alma and the children. What? How is that? How does that work? He is currently serving two life sentences at the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio, and his inheritance was forfeited. So the first two people you killed, okay, that makes no sense. But then suddenly the next nine, you're insane? Yes. I'm sorry, I don't understand trials at all. That makes no sense to me. The Rupert murders and trial provoked what one local observer called a three-ring circus. Mm -hmm. For weeks following the tragic event, James Rupert was the topic of conversation in town. Weeks, probably months and years. Street sales... Of Hamilton's only daily newspaper doubled. Hundreds of neighbors congregated outside the Rupert home, sometimes long past midnight. For six hours after the funeral, 400 cars carrying enthusiastic curiosity seekers 
some in taxi cabs, cruised past Arlington Memorial Gardens where Rupert's 11 victims were buried. During the trial, curious spectators began arriving early in the morning, some by 6 a.m., to wait outside the stone-faced three-story courthouse for one of the 60 seats in its warm, stuffy third-floor courtroom. See, we talk about all the stuff that used to happen back in the day, but people still be doing this shit. <laughs> they ran for the stairs or elevator, hoping oh to beat God. the crowds to the courtroom door. Those who couldn't get seats stood around the halls of the courtroom or waited outside on benches in the corridors. For the duration of the proceedings, spectators in the hallway peered through the glass in the door straining to get a glimpse of the defendant who sat impassively throughout most of the trial trial as reporter dick perry later called it was a free show one year following easter sunday 1975 the rupert home was unlocked to auction all of its household possessions the furniture appliances clothing and odds and ends dozens of people came searching for bargains and bloodstains are you serious after the murders there were a lot of rumors flying around town I'll go through a couple of them. Uh, One of them was Alma had wanted to commit suicide and take one of her children with her. She started the whole thing by harassing Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, yeah, let me harass Jimmy and then he'll kill us all. Right. What a smart idea. What? But she wanted to kill herself. Uh, Sure, people. Uh, The second theory, Rupert went berserk when he learned his mother had made hamburger helper for Easter dinner. How dare she? Um... Though she was making sloppy joes for the grandchildren. <laughs> well, Hamburger Helper Not did have sloppy helper. joes, didn't it? That was a rumor anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, duh. <laughs> Hamburger Helper has pasta in it. Anyway. Not true. Um, I mean, some does. I mean, there's even tuna helper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were having tuna helper. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's Easter. They should have had a ham helper. Ham. <laughs> I don't think there's a ham helper. <laughs> okay. Another rumor. The Rupert house is haunted. Well, he needs some help. Uh, kids snuck into the Rupert house on Minor Avenue and said everything was covered in blood, which I can imagine. Uh, and the last one, though confined in a mental hospital since the trial, James Rupert has an extensive wardrobe, loves to eat ice cream, and continues to receive the Wall Street Journal on a daily basis. I don't care. (sighs) I just don't care. Those are just some of the rumors floating around town about him. Oh, it's a rumor that he likes the Wall Street Journal? No, <laughs> just that he's he's getting uh, the lavish treatment at the mental hospital. Oh, yeah. I hope that's not true. I hope that in is the 70s, probably not. Yeah, he's probably heavily medicated. Maybe and probably being electrocuted. Anyway, <laughs> um, there were other unintended consequences to the slayings, though not related to the killer. Donald Rupert's family was constantly harassed by townspeople for at least six months following the mass slayings. Wait, who's that? Some other guy that lives in town with the same last name that's not related to them at all. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. He's like, look, dudes, he I don't finally, know these guys. Yeah, he finally decided to change his name for a period oh. of time in order to avoid the dirty looks and obscene phone calls. Oh, that's terrible. According to Donald Rupert, even those people who had known him well weren't really sure if he was implicated in the crime. What? He said, at work, they thought I did it. Some wanted to know when I was going to get the money. Oh my god, there's a lot of people who have had like serial killer names and they've oh had to gosh. that's terrible. He said I hate it every time I see something about the trial in the newspaper. Oh. And the slangs left an undeniable mark on the people of Hamilton, Ohio, mm. and those involved in the investigation. 
John Holcomb, the prosecutor that I talked about before, um, recalled blood leaking through the floorboards of the house and into the basement. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. He told a reporter at the time that the killer is a disgraceful little coward, and if justice is served, the man who ruined Easter will die in prison. That's, uh, That's my hope. Um, the Rupert family massacre remains the largest mass murder in a private residence in U.S. history. Really? To this day. 11 was the record. I kind of hate it when newspapers say stuff like that, though, because then I'm worried that someone's going to go try break it or something. You're going to have to get a lot of fucking people in the house. It happens. 11's a lot. Maybe not during, not during COVID. these COVID times. <laughs> True. No one's having family gatherings during COVID, See, right? Maybe it's good. <laughs> Just don't go be with your family. So this fucker, James. Oh no. Um, has been up for parole three times. 1995, 2005, 2015. Denied, denied, denied. He was denied all three times okay. as he has not made any effort to rehabilitate or garner any skills while in prison. Good. He is up for parole again in 2025. No. Mm-mm. At 91 years old, in what which the- he will probably be denied again or pass of old age before 2025. He's going to be 91 in 2025 and he's yep. still just trucking along? Yep. This Easter, and actually, because Easter is the holiday, Easter is the anniversary, but really it's March 30th. Right. Which is already passed. This Easter marks the 46th year since James, James Rupert brutally murdered his entire family as they were pre- preparing to enjoy their Easter holiday. All 11 family members rest in peace at the Arlington Memorial Gardens in Cincinnati. Mm. The house at 365 Minor Avenue in Hamilton, Ohio, has been dubbed the murder house. Mm. I'll post a picture of it, but it's a very plain looking white two-story house in a working class neighborhood. Completely unassuming if you weren't aware of the horrors committed by James Rupert there. Does somebody live there now? Yes. Okay. The house is often visited by members of the public looking for bullet holes or ghost hunters. Stop. Yes. I mean, I'm morbid, but I'm not that morbid. Like, go knock on somebody's door. No. Yeah. That's just invasive. The woman who lives there said she's been approached several times by ghost hunter people, but then also by um, kids. Like, they hear about it and okay, they want to I mean, go look. Kids, I get. Mostly that. So, obviously, she's not saying it's haunted, though. Previous tenants have claimed to hear voices and strange noises they couldn't explain. Lights turned on and off, slamming doors and thudding footsteps coming down the stairs. However, the family who lives there, I think it's a single mom, um, hasn't experienced anything out of the ordinary, except for the bloodstains that remain on some of the joists in the basement under the living room. So there's still bloodstains there? Yeah, there's still bloodstains there. Mm. And when she was in contract to purchase the house... I guess they didn't have to tell her? No, I think it only has to be within so many, like, three years or something. Yeah, because it's, like, a psychological, um, uh, basically it fucks up their sale. Right, so after so many years, they don't have to say anything to you. Yeah, so she didn't know until after she was already under contract to purchase the house. Um, And she thought, you know, I wouldn't not drive through an intersection because somebody died in a car accident there. That's, that, okay. So she looks at it very differently logically yeah like i would be creeped out but once she found out about it yeah she did say that there are still stains in the basement yeah it wouldn't stop me from buying a house at all i mean it wouldn't stop me yeah no 
It would stop me. I still would never show up at someone's house just out of the blue and be like, hi, I found out that people were murdered here. Can I come in? Like, what are you thinking? That's weird. I think she said it was like one of the groups of kids was like, um, they were like going around selling Girl Scout cookies or, you know, oh, candy so bars or whatever. But they were like also looking for like <laughs> bullet holes. She's like, dude, it's been 46 years. <laughs> they weren't even like There's no, thought of. Yeah, no. I was one years old. And last weird fact. Remember I told you um, people in the Midwest say that all murderers come from Ohio? <laughs> Never heard that. I guess it's a Midwest thing. I don't know. That's what I've heard. Um, the house diagonally across the street on Minor Avenue from the duplex where... Sorry. This house. Yeah. 365 Minor Avenue is diagonally across the street from the duplex where Tina Mott was savagely murdered 21 years later. Oh. And the Tina Mott investigation was even documented in a Forensic Files episode. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. So maybe that one's coming. Maybe you're going to cover that. The across-the-street murder. How fucking random. That's so crazy. Like, is that where people move to murder people? Or is that... What's up, Ohio? What is fucking up, Ohio? <laughs> of course, California highways. It's the freeways, dude. This was not even a freeway, dude. I know. I'm just saying. California's oh, California. had their fair share of creeps. In fact, I will be doing a California killing my next episode. Ooh. Maybe I'll do the Tina Mott. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard of that, but wow, that that was... I I I don't know why he is still there. I mean, I'm glad he's still there. I'm just saying it's crazy to me that he's just trucking along. Yep. And I hope he never gets out. 2025. He'll be dead. I I'm. Be, I think he'll be dead. I'm going to be watching. I can't imagine. I mean, could you imagine being in prison all those years and then getting out and you're 91? Yeah, where do you go? What do you even First do? of all, you murdered your whole family. Anybody yeah. who could even take care of you is dead. That would just be so odd. No. Um, the one thing that the lady said who does live there, she said, the only thing that creeps me out or freaks me out about living here is that if he does get paroled and he comes back. That I could see. That, yeah. And that's a real thing. So she said, if he gets paroled, like, do I move? But he's I? 91. But, you know, a 91-year-old can still shoot a gun. Yeah. You don't know what kind of health he's in. But where would he even? Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, this story choked me up, made me sad. That's terrible. I don't I even want to look like, at the pictures. I feel like I'm. that's so upsetting. I that, didn't want to, like, lament on and on about their getting executed. No, I understand. Cause, and you're right. He does not deserve this drink at all. No. Even though it was delicious and I drank almost all of it the whole time you were talking. And now I can't make sloppy joes. No, no, you don't need to make sl- sloppy chills are wrong. It's like, it's, what's up with you and you don't it, like chili either. I do not like anything chili. that's like meat sauce. It's weird. You're not into. I, it's like, why just have a burger? Like, why do you need it? Why does it need to be all loose and meaty like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really like a loose meat sandwich. A, it's a loose meat sandwich. And then it's got tomato sauce and in a bun. Like, ew. Mm. I'm sorry. Any of you sloppy Joe lovers. It's more like barbecue sauce. No, I don't like Sloppy Joes. I do not like chili. You can take your chili and and don't try to talk to me about Ohio chili either. Yes, I know about all about your Skyline Chili, Ohio. I've had it. Do I like it better than regular chili? I will say yes because it doesn't have beans in it. Oh, you don't like beans? No. In the chili? No. 
I don't really like beans in general, to be honest. But which is weird. I'm not. I'm not even that picky of an eater. You don't like. There's like, just a few things re- like refried pinto beans. Refried beans are fine. Or like black beans. No. Ugh. Oh. Garbanzo beans. No. Like hummus. I like hummus, but I don't really like them when they're just whole. And I don't know why anyone cares about this. They're probably already turned us <laughs> off. Like, fuck off, dude. They're like, why are you talking about this? Anyway. No, they like it when we talk okay, about Okay, this is shit. just insight into the conversations that we have all the time. <laughs> this really is it. It's this, is this and like work, yelling about work. Uh, yeah. And yeah. talking about how these fucking stories are so sad. And you know what? I was going to do the Easter Rising the oh yeah you had the, another story i had a totally another story lined up the easter rising was the armed insurrection in 1916 in ireland that, that was sounds really easter, cool but you pivoted i never do the murder ones you always do the murder ones <laughs> you always do like the really gory terrible murder ones and i'm like i should just take one for the team <laughs> and because I don't know who even wants to hear about history. This is a true crime podcast and it is crime. But I just did two episodes of fucking Julius Caesar. <laughs> well, that so was a murder. If you guys are really into creepy shit, which I know your husband is, he'll enjoy this one. <laughs> That's true. He is. So I appreciate you taking one for the team. Mm-hmm. The Killer Spirits team. Speaking of the Killer Spirits team, um, we're getting some merch. Yes. Oh my God, I love it. We're test. We're test sampling? Yeah. We got coasters, guys. Our merch. We have coasters. They're so cute. I just ordered a sample shirt. Go look at our Instagram. She posted a photo. I'm in love. They're so cute. And I, it's, I pivoted the logo. I'm not going to, we're not going to use that for everything, but I think for the merch, it's appropriate. I think it is. Yeah. So the coasters are really good quality. We're going to be doing, um, coffee mugs Mm -hmm. and shirts. So. I don't know at what point I'm going to, like, make an online store, make it available for you guys. We will. We will. Because um, I still am kind of testing the quality of the the vendor we're going to use. Yeah. We, we, we got to test it out for you guys. Yeah. Because we need to make sure it's good. Yeah. I don't want, you know, crappy old stuff. No, we don't do crap here. No. Okay. I need to wash the t-shirt, like, at least three times. And then and dry we'll it. And then I will feel comfortable oh and we were supposed to supposed to report back about the glitter it did not hurt my tummy and i did not pee glitter no i saw no (laughs) glitter i mean if it was in there i don't i didn't see it (laughs) you didn't look maybe it just stays in your body (laughs) anyway we just have glitter lined inside i just remembered we were supposed to report oh yeah no i did not see any glitter i think we're totally safe but i'm really excited about our merch and Make sure you go to our Instagram and take a look at our photos. Mm-hmm. We do all of our um, cocktails there. We post photos of the episode and tell them where they can find us. Oh, I will tell you where you can find us. If you want preliminary merch, if you like are not going to wait for our test to go through, <laughs> just send us a DM on Instagram and I'll make sure it happens. Oh, yeah, we got you. We're on Instagram at Killer Spirits Pod. That's where we post a uh, drink pictures drink videos pictures from the story which i will post the rupert family with their adorable children Aww. and stupid fucking james rupert because, as, yeah as a young man as a man in his 40s and as a crusty old man as he is now um 
at Killer Spirits Pod on Instagram. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Killer Spirits Pod. Thinking about doing like a higher tier and including like t-shirt, coffee mug. I think we should. Something of the sort. Yeah. And at some point we're also going to have like extra episodes on there for yes. just our Patreon members as yes. well. Um, I have a whole list of like Patreon only. Oh yeah. Exclusives. I feel like we could get really, really gruesome there. Yeah. Are you guys ready? Because it's private. <laughs> it's so private. I mean, it's for it's exclusives for you guys only. Yeah. So. And make sure you give us a rate and review on iTunes because oh, yeah, it, we love to really see a rate helpful. and review. It's just a nice way to support us. You know, that's free. And we love hearing from you guys. So Absolutely. you can email us at killerspiritspod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram. We're also on TikTok at Killer Spirits Pod. Yes. Um, and we love your messages. Thank you. Thanks for telling us you love us because we love you too. We do. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.